Psalm 5 is a very amazing passage, and I want you to open back up to it. I want to read one verse. I have two words I'm going to preach on, honestly, but I, I, want, to, I want you to get this truth, and I want you to see it. Psalm 5, look at verse number 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. Amen. Look up. We sinful humans have a way of looking everywhere for answers, except where we should. Isn't it amazing? We sinful humans look to other sinful humans. We look to doctors. We look to uh, people who say they're doctors of the mind. <laughs> the only difference between a psych doctor and a psych patient is one medication. Amen? Uh, we look to educators. We look to other sinners. We look to uh, people who have means. And we look to people who are trying to play being their own God. And yet we fail to look up and say, I need you, God. Isn't it amazing? I hear this so often. Well, I've got nothing left. I guess I'll go to church. I've done everything else. I guess I need God. Well, I don't know about you. I've learned from other people being stupid. If I'll look there first, then I'll have to go through what they went through. Amen. You see, uh, we look for answers from in books, and we go to specialists. We even have people... <laughs> Please don't get mad at me. But we even have people that think group therapy will put everybody with the same problem in a room and everybody's going to figure out how to fix their problem. Can I tell you some, something? If you've got ten people in a room that are alcoholics, there's not a one of them going to know how to help the other one get out of it. Can I take this from God's point of view? In the words of that famous American, Gomer Pyle, dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, that, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard of. Put 10 people or more in a room that have the exact same problem. Well, they know how I feel. Well, you don't fix a problem by how you feel. Amen. You put somebody in there that's never had the problem to show you how to get out of your problem. Amen. Uh, the world is stupid. Amen. Now, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> that's not a think. That's an I know. After 56 years of life and many failures, and honestly, often unsure of what answers I, I will need, I've learned a very important truth. God has helped use all of my failures and my frustrations to teach me to look up. Just look up. Once I begin to look up, the answers seem to come easier and more clearly. I've looked for it here, looked for it there, looked for it here, looked for it there. It's kind of like when you lose something at the house and you've looked everywhere. And then you say, Lord, would you help me? And God says, it's right there. And if you'd have done that first, you may not have had to search the whole house and get mad at everybody. Now, some of you, you're still looking for your Easter eggs from last year, and God can't help that. But... Once I begin to look up, the fear, the stress, the frustration, and the pressure seems to ease. Amen. Amen. 
my problems and my battles and my attacks don't go away. But once I begin to look up, Brother James, it seems like it goes a whole lot easier. I get a different perspective. When I look up, I begin to say, huh, maybe it's not so bad. Felt pretty intense for a while, but as I look up, I begin to get God's perspective, Amen. not mine. You see, we run to ourselves. We run to another man, but we fail to look up. When I look up and see how wonderful and how great and how mighty and how powerful God is, when I look back down, I see how puny the problem is. How many people just put their head down and just start plowing through life? They never look up. And sometimes they plow places they shouldn't plow and cause more damage than they should have had they looked up. You see, they've caused more hurt than what was needed. But when we learn to listen to this statement, when we learn to let go of our problem long enough to look up, it's only then you begin to see God Amen. and his point of view. I don't see things as I want. I begin to say, can I see it as you see it? I've taken off in many an airplane. Be a gray, rainy day like it is here, dark. It's amazing after about a minute, minute and a half, and you start up through those clouds and the plane's going like this a little bit, and people that haven't flown much are going... And I'm just sitting there smiling. We took off one day. It was about as nasty as it was this morning here. And had a lady sitting beside me. She had never flown before. I got my Bible po pop popped open. I'm working on sermons. Getting We finally get to the end. And then you got to push your tray table up. And, and I put my Bible on my lap. And I'm working. She said, sir, are, is everything okay? I said, everything's fine. I said, ma'am, we're fixing to take off. I said, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to get a little bumpy. If you look at that window right there, you're going to watch the wings going like this. I said, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I said, if they're not bouncing, we're in trouble. I said, but if you'll wait about a minute and a half as soon as we take off, watch what happens. She said, what's going to happen? I said, just look at that window. Sure enough, sit back in your seat. I've got my Bible open. I'm just working. I didn't even know when we took off. I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing, I can totally ignore it. Uh, I felt the go down on the plane, and you hear the for the uh, wheels to go back up inside the plane. And sure enough, we hit that those clouds. And she said, sir, I said, everything's fine. I told you. I said, hang on, about another 45 seconds. About 45 seconds later, we come up out of those clouds, and it was as bright and as sunny and as clear as you could ever hope for. She said, oh, my. I didn't know that was up here. 
She had never seen that before. Boy, did she have a good flight. Can I tell you why? She's only looking from one point of view. She'd never been on top looking down. She'd only been on the bottom looking up. And when we decide to let go of our problem and look up, but you've got to let go of your problem to look up. You see, we need God's perspective, not our perspective. God tells us that he wants us to start our day looking up. Now, I want you to notice something. Verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the what? Morning. That's not just before noon, by the way. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. God tells us that he wants us starting today and every day looking up. For many years, honestly, for many decades, I've been an early riser. 4.15 came this morning and I jumped out of bed. My alarm was set for 4.30 and I can't tell you, my alarm rarely ever goes off. And I only set it on Sundays or a day that I've got to travel just to make sure. Sundays is the only day my alarm is set. Shoot, when I go hunting, I get to sleep in. I would sleep in 4.45, 5 o'clock if I want. Wait a minute. I love the early morning. I do. It's quiet. Phones aren't generally ringing. Nobody else is awake. I kind of feel like since everybody else is sleeping... I get a little extra time with God and it's just him and I. I get to spend time in my Bible. I get to pray for every person in this room by name. I get to go to the throne room of God and it's just him and I. And I get to call your name out to him. I get to ask him to help you and bless you and do different things get to ask him to help us with our work here at the church. I, this morning, prayed for almost 60 preachers around America on top of our church and my family. Hundreds of people early this morning. Can I tell you something? It was just me and God. I have a pastor friend in New Jersey with a Jim Gelhausen, dear friend of mine. I texted him this morning as I did another almost 60 preachers and I said about a quarter after four this morning as I got out of bed I began to pray for you. Here's what I prayed for you and I told them. Brother Jim texted me back a little while later and he said, I thought I noticed your footsteps, Brother Bush. Because I was there too. He said, I didn't lift my eyes, but I, I knew your walk. That's a sweet statement. Oh, how sweet of a statement that is. You see, I love the morning hours. I love being up early. 
I love getting to church like I did this morning before 5 o'clock. It's quiet. Unless Wyatt left a walkie-talkie here and the truckers pick it up on Route 9 going through and it scares the bejeebers out of me and I pull my gun to find out who's in here. Or one of the nursery toys starts... You get some weird noises in a church building through through the wee hours of the morning, let me tell you. There's been many a morning I've walked around here with my hand on my hip wondering what's making noise around here today. I love walking through this building and stopping at every row praying for the people that are sitting where you're sitting today. Go down the hall and walk into the nursery and pray for the children that will be in there and the workers. And then go into Brother Anthony's office and pray for the life alert, I mean the uh, senior citizens class. And then into Mrs. Barnes's classroom and then Brother Scott and Brother Juan's classroom. And then out into the, uh, the main room there for Brother Anthony's class and then into Jamie's classroom. And then walk into this room and pray for my, my board members. Oh, I can't tell you how sweet it is. I can't. It's just wonderful. Just me and God. And then I get to walk out on the porch and watch God paint the morning sky. We have one of the most amazing church locations in in the country. There is nothing to obstruct our view. We sit up high. And just with the mountains on, on the east of us over here and the way the, the sunlight hits, we get some of the most amazing sunrises. Just amazing. Listen to this very carefully here. I'm terribly colorblind. And if I can tell it's beautiful, I can't imagine what you all would see. Seriously. I don't get to see all that you see, but what I get to see is pretty amazing. But I make sure every day I look up. This morning it started raining early, but there was just enough light in the east. The front hadn't gone all the way through that the morning sky, there was just a little band of orange underneath all the clouds. And I thought, what a great God. Even on a crummy morning, God's painting something beautiful. You know, as I've stood there many a morning, looking up, Ellen, I've thought about the heaviness of the day, the heartaches and the burdens, the attacks. And I'll look up and say, What a great and mighty God we serve. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. What is man that thou art mindful of him? God, you did all this for us. And at that moment, it just seems like all the problems fade away a little bit. They just wash away and the pressure eases. And I'll look to God with tears running down my face and say, thank you. Thank you. Not until I look up, though, do I see how powerful and how beautiful and how wonderful he is. Not until I look up,
Do I get to see what he wants me to see? May I say something to you today? Two words. We need to learn how to look up. Look up. When I look up and see how powerful and wonderful and beautiful and incredible God is every morning, then I can face the battles of the day. They're not, the battles aren't quite as frightening. It's kind of like the servant with Elijah. He was afraid of the army and God said, open the eyes of the young man. He said, young man, go out there and look up again. And he looked up and he saw the angels encompassed around the enemy. He said, let's go get them. But it wasn't until he looked up, he was looking down at the warriors, not looking up at God. Oh, I didn't say God was going to take the problem away. God's not going to take the pressure and the burden and the heartache and the grief and the pain away. But God said, if you'll look up, I'll give you the strength to carry it. Let me give you just a few thoughts here. Number one. When I look up, his picture is only for me. His picture is only for me. Come on up here for a second, Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony gets here a lot of mornings now that it's sunrise is later in the day. (laughs) By the way, uh, I told him he's not supposed to be here when I'm here. (laughs) He's got a family, amen? He's got young children uh, that he's got to help. But there's been times I say, Brother Anthony, let's, let's step out. God's doing something. And I'll take a picture or two. But, you know, I'll send it to somebody and they'll say, oh, I can't see that here. It looks different from my point of view. You say, why? Because the angle isn't the same. Up or this way or that way, God made that view just for me. Have a seat. Can I tell you something? Wherever you're at, the view changes. It's true. I'll send a picture to my neighbor. And he'll send one back. And it looks much different than where it is here. There's no tree line. There's no roof line to obstruct it. He's farther down and isn't getting all the view that I'm getting. And uh, the angle left and right or north and south changes how the light is refracted through the clouds and the mountains and everything else. And it's just amazing. So from where you stand, God made that picture just for you at that moment. (laughs) I'm going to make a statement. If you don't take time to look up, You're going to miss what God had for you today. You're going to miss the strength he had available for you. Oh, I'm not saying you have to see every sunrise for God to give you strength. But I will tell you this, if you'll look at it, by the way, it happens slow. It's not a switch that God turns it on and you pull the curtains back and oh, shazam, there's the sun. No, it happens real slow. And you have about a two or a three minute window when it's at its peak. I've learned the, the timing of it. There's been times I've seen, I've 
grab Brother Anthony and said, come here, you got to watch this. See it now? Yeah. I said, wait two minutes. We'll stand there and talk, and he's like, wow, preacher. Yeah, we're just about to the peak. Hang on. And I can tell you just when it is, and and I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures of the sunrise here at Grace Baptist Church. You say, why? Because when it's on a day like today, I'll go back and flip through some of them so I can see it. You see, God has strength available for you if you just take time to look up. But you're busy, preacher. I'm never too busy to look up. Never too busy to look up. You see, I have to look away from all my problems and stress to look up. I've got to walk away from my desk and look up. Do I want to look at problems or do I want to look at God? Do I want to look at evil or do I want to look at God? Do I want to look at stress or do I want to look at God? Do I want to see fear or do I want to see God? I don't know about you, but I'd rather watch God than watch fear any day. I'd rather see God than see evil any day. I'd rather see the mighty power of God than the battles of man. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made the heavens and the earth. Oh, I will lift up mine eyes. That means you have to look up. But preacher, you just don't understand the pressure I'm under. Look up. Well, under the circumstances, well, get out from underneath them and look up. Quit living under the circumstances and start looking up to see what God has for you today. You see, Acts 7.55 talks about Stephen, the great deacon who was being stoned for... Uh, that's not the way you got stoned early in life. But uh, he was being murdered for preaching the gospel and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says as they were throwing giant rocks at him, bashing his brains out and busting his body up, that he looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's a man being murdered for the cause of Christ, listen to me, and he took time to look up. But preacher, you don't understand. I don't think you have it as bad as he did. You see, Stephen looked up to get the grace needed to get through the battle he was facing. Take time to look up. Whether it's sunrise, sunset, whether it's in the dark night and you're looking at the stars. But take time to look up and see how great God is. In the morning, will I look up? I think one of the first things we ought to do is look up. Worst thing to do is look in the mirror, amen? You ever seen yourself as soon as you crawl out of bed? That's not something worth looking at. That's why you take your glasses off so you don't have to see it as clear. 
So our view is the only view God gives us. If we don't look up, we miss it. It's unique to you and I. Number two, I'm about to shout. We need to fight the flesh and our emotions in order not to look around. Did you know your flesh wants to look around? Did you know that your emotions want you to search out somebody to pity you? Everybody doing okay? Uh, the Bible talks about this in a very unique way. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm about to teach you something that if you'll get a hold of this, it would revolutionize your life. I'm not saying there's not times you need help in your life. That's what your preacher's for. That's what the man of God is for. But there are some people that they go from person to 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 person. They go through their call list of calling everybody, trying to seek pity and tell everybody the same story. And they wonder why they're always depressed. Second Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that are commended themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. When we start comparing ourselves among ourselves, God says, that is not wise. Can I bring that into West Virginia terminology? You're foolish. It's foolish. Well, I don't, uh, I'm better than so-and-so. You're comparing yourself with somebody else. Comparing yourselves among yourselves. Well, I just don't understand a preacher. I go to church. I do what I should. How come I'm having a tougher time than somebody else? You're not being wise comparing yourselves among yourselves. Why are you looking at somebody else? How about you look at God? Why don't you take time to look up instead of looking around? We spend so much time looking at everybody else that we fail to look up and see God. And when you look up and see God, all your problems are going to start fading away. Amen. I promise you. Well, you just don't understand, preacher. No, you don't understand because you haven't gotten a good look at God yet. When I ran into my wife and almost knocked her over, well, I did knock her over in the hallway at college. Those little baby blue eyes, let me rephrase that, those big baby blue eyes. Got a hold of this young man. I didn't think about it till the next day she was there, and we laughed about it. And the next day she was there again, and we talked. And then I said, "Lord, if she does it again." Well, the fourth day she was there again, and I asked her out, and I haven't been able to get away from those baby blues. You say why? Because when you have the best, why would you look anywhere else? <laughs> tell this very often she was dating a friend of mine not much but they had gone out and they had gone out in between the time I asked her to go out and the time we were going out 
And I kept asking her to go out. I worked at the same machine shop as that friend. He said, hey, when are you going to give me a chance to ask her out? I said, I'm not. You lose. And I didn't give him a chance. I got her. He didn't. Amen. He kept asking. She kept going with me. <laughs> give me a quarter after the service. I'll tell you what the last name is. Amen. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, she's better off with the last name of Bush by far. Amen. Now, wait a minute. We're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. And when you take time to quit looking around at everybody else and you start looking up, you'll get God's perspective. Some of you, somebody gets a new car or a new house or a new this and you start looking at yours and think, well, that's what I need too. You're comparing yourself among yourselves. It's not a matter of keeping up with somebody else. It's living within the means God gave you to live with. Uh, Our sinful pride causes us to want to always be right. You know, when man sinned, it's amazing. He went from being sinless to sinning. And when God cornered Adam, do you know what he did? God... The woman that you gave me made me do it. He blamed God and Eve in the same sentence. It's not my fault. It's your fault for giving her to me. And it's her fault because she made me do it. Now wait a minute. <laughs> she may have eaten first, but it was his fault. Adam sinned. She was deceived. By the way, where was Adam in all this? Right next to her. Because the Bible says she took and gave unto her husband that was with her. He didn't stop her. He didn't say, yeah, woman, don't do that. Don't listen to him. Let's go. He failed to protect her. Our sinful pride causes us to think that we're always right. I was with Brother Jim the other day and I said, look, Brother Jim, no no nail prints there. I'm not perfect either. You know, you're not as right as you think you are. You know who the easiest person in the world to lie to is? You. Person you look at in the mirror. You can convince yourself you're right no matter how bad wrong you are. You know, we don't want to admit, <laughs> let me show you something. You hit late 30s, early 40s. I don't need glasses. <laughs> so you bump up the font on your phone, and then you buy the biggest size phone you can get. But I don't need glasses. Quit lying to yourself, ding dong. It happens to everybody. It's called getting older. Everybody doing all right? Somebody's got to tell the truth. We, we don't go to the doctor, so we don't find out if anything's wrong. Nothing's that bad. I'm still alive. Yeah, you might live longer if you go every once in a while and find out if there's something they could fix before it goes wrong. 
you take your car in to get the oil changed on a regular basis. It's called preventive maintenance. You're not supposed to wait till it breaks down to take it in. Then why do we do that with our body? If we'd practice a little preventive maintenance, it might not break down so bad. I didn't say it wouldn't break down. Because some of you are just a Chevy, it's going to break down all the time. Or you're a Jimmy, and when it's raining, it's not going to start. Amen? I had to say that. Got you good on that one. Now, wait a minute. Uh, Why is it that we want to lie to ourselves? We think that, well, uh, I don't need that. Well, maybe you don't, but maybe you do. Maybe you ought to get somebody else's perspective. Uh, we don't notice hearing loss. Yeah. There's a difference between hearing loss and stupidity. You know, when somebody says, maybe you ought to get your ears checked, maybe you ought to get them checked. Well, what are they going to do about it? Well, let's find out first. Okay, this is getting, we went from preaching to meddling real fast, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And did you know those hearing aids don't work if they're sitting in your pocket or on the, on, the, on the stand next to the bed? It's amazing how those things work when you put them in your head. You know, man wants to fix everything by fixing emotions. Well, don't say something that's contrary because you might hurt their feelings. Guess what? We need our feelings hurt to get ourselves right. You know, man's, listen to this. I I mentioned something similar to this yesterday to the ladies. Man's problems, we always fix things the wrong direction. Man wants to fix things from the outside in instead of the inside out. Uh, Let's not hurt little Junior's feelings, and maybe he'll do better in school. And now we graduate him from high school, and they can't read or write. Let's drop the bar so more people can reach it, and the same amount of people are reaching it, but the bar's so low, nobody knows anything. Communism's goal is to keep everybody ignorant so that the government becomes God. And look what we have today. Minimum wage at $15, $16, $17 an hour. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Well, minimum wage, you can't live on minimum wage. Who said you're supposed to? You see, uh, minimum wage was set for entry-level jobs, not for careers. At the age of 16, when I made $2.85 an hour minimum wage... They bumped it to $3.15, and I couldn't believe I got that much money. I was making over 60 bucks a week before Uncle Sam got his dirty fingers in that thing. And I bought a car. I paid my insurance. I bought my gas at 70 cents a gallon or less. And I was able to pay my bills because I didn't have many bills. But then I had to go to Bible college and pay for college. So I needed some more money. When I got a job making five fifty an hour, my dad said, what are you doing making that much money? <laughs> uh, I'm not kidding. 
Everybody doing all right? <laughs> I'm having fun right here. Man wants to fix problems by fixing feelings. Did you know if you fix the problems, the feelings will follow? Amen. You don't fix the problem by fixing the feelings. You fix the feelings by fixing the problem. Man's got this thing backwards. Well, if you'll feel better about it, you'll fix your problem. Folks, you can feel better about throwing up, but you're still going to barf. Now, I'm not, but you are. I'm not one of those people, well, if you just throw up, you'll feel better. No, there's two places in the body it's intended to be one-way traffic, amen? Amen. And any time you go the wrong direction on that road, you ain't going to feel good. I just refuse to stop it coming back up. Amen? No, 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 no. Everybody doing all right? I said that as politely as I knew how. I'm going to be in trouble at home today. Feelings and emotions are not to be the control center. Feelings are by your will. Do you know there's times I don't feel well, but I don't let that determine what I do? I knew it was going to rain this morning. My bones were telling me. When my feet hit the floor and they hurt more than they did yesterday, it was like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. I didn't say, well, I hurt, so I'm, I'm just going to call Brother Anthony because I don't feel well. Drop dead. I don't care how I feel. I'm, I'll feel better. Just let me get going and get some hot water on them things and shower and get some blood going and pour coffee down the hatch and put a few pills down the pie hole and we'll get feeling better one of these days. But if not, I'm still going to be here. I might grunt and groan and creak and pop and snap, crackle, pop a little bit more, but I'm going to be here doing it. I don't care how I feel. Everybody doing all right? There was a day when this was normal. Well, preacher, my fingernail hurts. Oh, God bless you. Come here, let me burp you too. My little grandson's toddling and walking, holding on to things and doing all kinds of things. And he fell one day and I said, my daughter went, I said, it's okay. That's why God built them close to the ground. They can't hurt themselves that bad. But, 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 no, just let them fall. That's how they learn to not fall. Most of the time they hit the padded part. And if they don't, they hit the hard part and cry a little bit and they learn, don't do that. Well, I don't want him to get a concussion. He's falling 12 inches. Come on now. Well, that's like if you fell five feet. No, it's not. No comparison at all. There's a big difference between falling that far and falling that far. Everybody doing okay? I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, you know, it's a wonder we, those in our, my generation and older ever even lived. Did you know they had no such thing as a car seat when I was born? You young people, listen to this statement here. Did you know... I remember when my dad bought a 1971 Mercury Montego. We were at the dealership, 
And he complained because uh, they said, well, do you want seat belts or not? It was an option. And he said, well, how much are they? They said, 25 bucks. He said, I'm not paying 25 bucks for those things. Forget it. That was for all of them, not one. And they said, okay. It wasn't until the late 70s that they put him on standard. And he was mad when he bought his 1980 car because he had to pay for the seat belts and didn't want them. I remember that. Oh, he was mad. Don't like the government telling me I have to pay for these things. I don't need them. <laughs> that guy was telling me, he said, yeah, there was four of us kids, he said, in the old Studebakers, he said, they had a real long back window. He said, three kids sat on the seat, and one of us rolled up into the window and laid down. I said, yeah. I said, man, we rode in the back of the pickup truck all the way to the hunting spot. Now that would be child abuse. Well, the day my brother fell through the liquid hog manure out, out, in, out in the field, and he was in hog manure up to his waist, and we stripped him down to the bare essentials, he sat in the back end of the truck with the cab on and took his clothes off in there, and we didn't let him up where the heat was. Was that child abuse? No, that was nose protection. You say, you didn't do it. No, my dad did. I was smart enough not to walk out what I, what I thought was mud. Amen? He found out it wasn't mud. It was something else. Can I tell you something? We didn't have elbow pads, knee pads, shin pads, and helmets to ride bicycles. If anybody had a helmet, it was a football helmet, and they had one of those watch us y'all moments, and it wasn't going to turn out good. I said, yeah, the only time you did that was when you were playing Evil Knievel and usually ended up at the hospital. He said, you did that too? I, yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We didn't even have football pads. I remember playing football and running to the basement going underneath the utility sink where mom had the rag box. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I'd stuff rags in, into my clothes because it, it might absorb some of the shock. Because I was the little guy getting hit all the time. So you didn't do that? Yeah, I did. I don't know if it helped anything. Sure made my head think I felt better. So we need to fight the flesh and our motions not to look around. Let's quit looking around and let's look up. Number three. God wants us to look up to get our eyes off ourselves so that we can help somebody else. We don't have time to turn to all these verses, but in Mark chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, Jesus heals somebody. And when he, he was blind and when he first started to see, Jesus said, what do you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus said, hang on, put his hands on him and he said, now look at me. Notice the difference. One, he was looking at man. The other one, he looked at Jesus. When he looked at Jesus, everything was clear. You see, when we start looking amongst ourselves, it's not as clear as we think it is. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 5, Jesus is walking through town and there's a little tax collector, a man named Zacchaeus, climbs up into a tree. And the Bible says Jesus looked up and saw him. And he's at, Zacchaeus, come on down here. He said, but, he said, I want you to, 
I want you to take me to your house and I'm going to go eat dinner with you. Zacchaeus crawls down out of the tree. But notice Jesus looked up for somebody else. I love it. John chapter 4 verse 35. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look under the fields for they're white already unto harvest. He said, fellas, get your eyes off your own problem and look up. Realize we got a whole world out here that need, that's dying and going to hell. And they, they need us to get out there and get the gospel out to them. We focus on our problem. We focus on our hurt. We focus on our disappointment way too much. I spoke at the nursing home yesterday and I told the old folks there. I said, you want to have hope? You got to give hope. If you want somebody to help you, go help somebody else. Quit being such a crab. Say, preacher, you said that? I did. You should have seen some of them nurses. I said, some of you are so crabby because you want everything done for you, you won't help anybody else. I said, if you want hope, then you're going to have to give hope to somebody else. You want help, give help to somebody else. Maybe your life wouldn't be so bad. Say, preacher. Yeah, I was preaching down there like I do down here. What's the difference? Everybody doing all right? God wants you to look at the needs of others. And it should humbly enough to where maybe you'll find somebody that's got it worse than you do. You know, I've got a pastor friend going through a tough time. I said, brother, find a weekend and get away. I'll, I'll put you up at a hotel here. You need to come see my church. He's hurting. I said, just take a couple day vacation with your wife and come here. I'll take care of you. He said, well, I'm not. I said, you need to get away. I said, you need to get away from it and get a different perspective. When you get your eyes off of your own problems and start seeing something else, maybe God will give you clarity on what you need to do. God wants you to see that there's more to this world than you. Some of us live in a pretty small world because we only see it through our eyes. Maybe we ought to look up. Instead of telling God what he's supposed to do for you, how about you look up and ask him? Amen. I remember one day as a teenager, I told my dad what I needed. He said, you asking me or are you telling me? I said, well, I thought I was asking. He said, sounds like you're telling me. I said, well, either way, I still need it. He turned around and walked away from me. I didn't get it. Say, why? Because I told him I didn't ask him. Say, well, that wasn't very nice. No, I wasn't. It wasn't him, it was me. Boy, did I learn something. Everybody doing okay? you got to realize you're not the most important person in the world. If you learn to put everybody else ahead of yourself, it will amaze you what God can do. It will amaze you. What God can do. Well, preacher, I hurt. I have needs. It's okay. Put somebody else ahead of you. Then watch what God can do. Amen. Oh, by the way, 
don't end up like the one man in Luke chapter 16. Say, what one man? Rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. You will lift your eyes up one day. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's time to look up and trust Christ as your Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. I wonder how long has it been since you looked up? Are you tired of looking around? Tired of looking in the mirror? Tired of looking at the problem? Tired of looking at the stress? Tired of looking at the pain? Tired of looking at the confusion? Maybe we just ought to take time to look up. Who'd say preacher somewhere in that sermon something I needed today? Did you raise your hand? God bless you. Hands everywhere. Thank you.